You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. This podcast series was designed to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters. We cover a variety of topics that will help you become more confident and comfortable in the field while hunting deer. On this episode, we discuss one of the most important topics when it comes to hunting deer, and that's knowing the rules and regulations in the state you will be hunting. We talk about hunter education programs, purchasing hunting licenses and tags, hunting season dates, and resources that can help you along the way. This is your first and possibly the most important step to becoming a deer hunter. So take notes and enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to the first episode of this podcast series. Uh, I know that we are all here really excited to uh, start talking about um you know, getting into hunting, uh, deer hunting in some way, shape or form. And the first thing, and I think honestly, the most important thing that we need to discuss is knowing your state's rules and regulations. And, um, I know that there are a lot of rules and regulations out there that, uh, a, a hunter, whether you are experienced or have no experience at all, need to know, need to understand, um, because if you don't, it could cause some problems. So Hank, why don't you kind of walk us through a little bit? What would be somebody's first step in knowing their rules and regulations, knowing what type of tags and licenses they need in order to get started deer hunting? Well, first off, um, most people might not realize, but you know, the wildlife in the state is managed by a state agency, or they they come by different names in each state. But um, you know, they set the laws and regulate the wildlife. And so, the first place to look is your state agency's website. 
Um, they they will have all of the regulations for hunting on their website, and uh, and they can they also administer uh, hunter education, which is a requirement for most hunters to purchase a license in their state. You can uh, you know traditionally hunter education was done in person, and the state agencies ran those courses. Now there's some really good online providers, one being Calchemy or Today's Hunter. Um, and you can take that course online, you know, at your own home, at your own pace. But most states will require that you take a hunter education course before you purchase the license. Yeah. And I've noticed that uh, when, I, when I was a kid, I had to go someplace. I had to sit through a huge, you know, whole day type of uh, situation where there would be an instructor and he would walk you through a whole bunch of different uh, scenarios and you know here's how you uh, cross a fence with a gun and and the rules and regulations and and whatnot and now it's really simple you can go online you can most states for the most part have uh, an op an option like this um, now when it comes to like you said state agencies. Is that uh, a Department of Conservation? Is it like the Sheriff's Department? Where? What is the state agency we should be looking at for that? Um, each state has departments that regulate the natural resources in those states, um, wildlife, forestry, fisheries, whether it's coastal or uh, freshwater. And so these departments, d- depending on where you live, um, they are mandated to basically manage the resources for the people, for all of us, whether you hunt, fish, or you just live in that state. And they need to make it sustainable. And that's why there are rules and regulations is that we're, we've learned through history that we, we don't want to over-harvest. We want to have these animals uh, there and resources there for the future. So we remove a, a, a percentage of them um, so that uh, they're always there. So um, those state agencies are, are there for all citizens, and they have to manage for all viewpoints. And so the rules and regulations are based on safety and on sustainability. Um, one thing that I think would be good to talk about, though, is through these hunter education classes that we're talking about, what, what you will learn there is how to be safe. You may not necessarily know about what you, you should be doing when you're afield, um, specifically how many you can take uh, in, in terms of deer, um, some of the seasonality. That's other information that you need to learn, uh, and, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. So let's. I think we should start off uh, um, about where a guy can buy a license, right? We Let's say we've taken the hunter safety course online or we've gone to a, a place and we've taken those classes. We're hunter safety certified now. Do you, Hank, is there a place that you recommend uh, someone go maybe for their first couple times? Because there's a lot of places that a guy can buy a hunting license, let's say Walmart or a, a sporting goods store. For the for the first couple times, is there one spot over another that a guy should or a gal should get a license? If I will say that you know, if you do go to a Walmart sporting goods store, many of them have a licensed sales portal, um, and and hopefully they have a trained person there that can help you and advise you on the license you need in a particular state, because licenses are different state to state. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, seasons are different. I mean, all kinds of things change based on what state you're in. But if you're if if you feel more comfortable purchasing from a person that hopefully is trained in the laws of the state. 
I would recommend going to a store. You can absolutely purchase them online. A lot of states are even moving to uh, apps on your phone that are great. You're actually a legal hunter if you have your phone on you. You don't actually have to carry the license. But in most states, you have to carry an ID and a hunting license on you while you hunt. And it, it's probably important to note that that's, that's kind of the model of conservation in this nation. And while someone might own the land, the wildlife is owned in trust of, of we the people. And you, you pay a tax or buy a license to be able to hunt them. And it's... It's almost the envy of the rest of the world and the amount of wildlife that you yeah. know, we've been able to conserve based on on these systems and state agencies and stuff. Yeah, I'll just I'll just say that from a place to actually buy a license when it comes to buying a license, when it comes to, you know, making sure you have the right uh, tags that are necessary for the deer that you're hunting in the seasons that you're trying to hunt, whether it's a firearm season or an archery season. I would almost recommend going with somebody else who hunts uh, for the first couple times. That way they know of all the tags and licenses you need. Because there's a couple, there's a couple scenarios where I've uh, failed in the past where there's something called a habit, uh, habitat stamp in certain states and a guy will go in and he will buy the license and he'll buy the tag and he thinks he's good but he gets to the field and there might be a check from a conservation officer and he doesn't have that habitat stamp or any type of additional add-ons now a lot of states will say here's a combo right you get all this with one you know one purchase but there are other states out there where you have to buy certain things separately mm-hmm. and it can be kind of confusing for a first time license or tag or or, or tag uh, purchaser so i highly recommend asking a lot of questions in this process it, it, especially if you're going by yourself or if you are purchasing a tag for uh, a youth or someone younger so that you have everything that you need um in that in that you know before you before you hit the field so i definitely recommend maybe going with a a mentor if you're being mentored or going with a a friend or a family member who has has experience hunting and that way any confusion can be you know swept away uh, at the at the time of checkout so that's uh, i think that's very important now uh, hank you mentioned something there a second about uh, different states um, in the term for for this in the hunting license world is resident versus non-resident right so a, a tag if i buy a tag here in north carolina i can't go to iowa or new york to use that that same license expand on that a little bit for us matt yeah so each state has their their license based on where you live um, if you are from that state, you'd be purchasing a resident license. If you're traveling to another state, you would be purchasing a non-resident license. Um, typically, they're more expensive to buy non-resident licenses because you're coming into a, a state to utilize their natural resources. Um, they are not reciprocal, but once you take hunter safety or hunter education, that is reciprocal across uh, state boundaries. So you only have to do that once. Um, Many of the states will require, just like a driver's license, a hunting license in that state each year. So if you go back each year, you would have to buy a new one. And then you would be able to purchase the tags that are required to 
uh, hunt the animals or at least uh, harvest the animals that you're you're looking to uh, take home with you. Um, another resource that I think would be good, Dan, that uh, folks could ask if the vendor that's selling the licenses is um, a little bit unfamiliar with the rules and regulations of what you need to purchase. That happens occasionally. Somebody might be assigned at the desk that day that, that does not hunt and uh, and you don't have a mentor to bring with you, you could always talk to a law enforcement officer. Absolutely. They're, they're a good resource. They're publicly available information on how to contact um, the conservation or law enforcement officer. I'm not talking about state police or your town police. Um, these conservation departments have um, what's, what's environmental law officers that will regulate and make sure that we protect the resources, and they would know. Um, you could also just call the, the dispatch for your wildlife uh, agency. They may know as well, but a great resource is to talk to law enforcement. Let me just say one thing about resident versus non-resident license. Resident licenses are way more affordable than non-residents. You yes. pay a premium to hunt out of state. And, uh, you know, any you know these new hunters listening, I would recommend finding places close to home to hunt. Home hunt in your home state become a customer of your local state agency um, but also you know rely on your local community your peer group for these mentors to help you along you you'll never be you know the lowest hanging fruit on finding somebody to help you get a field or, or, or mentor you hunting is going to be someone that already knows you or someone you know um, so you know stay close to home look for opportunities close to home sometimes those don't exist but often they do um, but staying within your state and hunting locally will, will help you continue to get a field and be much more affordable. You know, and one of the major motivations for most people to hunt is the food aspect of, of getting that. And if you're, you know, adventure hunting is exciting, and we, we all have done it, we all will continue to do it. But to have that resource close to home, it, it actually checks that box for a lot of people is um, being able to go out, in your county or in your town to go hunting and be able to bring home food. So um, certainly don't overlook that. You don't need to travel, you know, X hundred miles to, to be able to harvest an animal. You right. can do that right outside your back door. Right. All right. So, you know, th- that's the basics, right? You know, every state also, I know they do in Iowa where I live, publishes a rules and regulations booklet. Right. And in this booklet, you know, we can use the, the resources from the website, but they also have these booklets that you can also find on the websites. And in these booklets, every rule and regulation a guy or gal needs from something that, it, you know, from the simple rules to the most uh, detailed rule about, you know, you can't shoot a gun this far from a building or you can't, you know, you have to wear blaze orange. Let's start talking a little bit about some of these common deer hunting rules that we should all expect. And for the most part, what we're going to talk about next here, these are high level, right? Again, go back to the, the, your state agency's website or the, the, uh, the rules and regulations pamphlet for that year and, uh, and, and take a look at that. But, uh, Hank, talk to us a little bit about some common deer hunting rules that we all should expect in the field. Sure. Most states require you wear blaze orange while hunting, especially during a rifle season. Oftentimes during archery season, it's not required. But if there is a gun season in season, and I guess we'll get to seasons in a minute and how those progress. But, um, you know, many states require a blaze orange vest, um, many uh, a blaze orange hat at a minimum. Um, Why is that? 
It's, it's safety. So you can see fellow hunters afield, especially if you're hunting property with multiple hunters on it. Um, but it's important to note that deer cannot see orange, and we'll get to that later. But um, the deer do not see orange as we see it. And so it's, it's an opportunity for us to be seen by other hunters and humans, um, but not alert the, the wildlife or, or, or the deer that we're there. But you can expect to probably wear some blaze orange, and, and honestly, it's not going to mess you up hunting. It, it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, and that that right there kind of boils down everything when it comes to safety, right? Um, safety is the most important thing when it comes to hunting. I mean, we're we're talking about firearms in some instances. We're talking about, you know, archery has a lot of uh, sharp objects that go along with it. Climbing up in trees. Yep, climbing up in trees, all these, all these things. So it, it's exciting for a new hunter. Uh, to go out into the field and, you know, chase deer for the very first time. Uh, And that excitement sometimes can overtake the thought process. I mean, I've been hunting for several years and I still make, you know, uh, I have, I have brain farts. I call them sometimes where I'm just like, Oh man, I I shouldn't, shouldn't have done that or be just because of the excitement level. So it's very important that we all, uh, we talk about, uh, safety, especially, uh, if you are in a tree stand, you know, um, Hunter orange is great for firearm season. It's, uh, it's required in a lot of States, but also, uh, safety harnesses are also in some States required if you want to uh, climb into a tree stand. And that's just, in my opinion, uh, a recommendation when it comes to safety that you should be doing no matter if your state requires it or not. It's just something that is, very important. Uh, I've had slips and falls in, in the past when I, I wasn't wearing them. And now it's, uh, it's just a part of my gear, uh, the safety harness. So, uh, from a safety standpoint, very, very important. The, the good news there, Dan, is that hunting is very safe. Yes. And for, for folks that are, you know, potentially a little bit intimidated by, uh, the fact that it, there are all these things that are in place because, uh, we're trying to make folks safe. And if statistically, when you look at it, uh, hunting is safer than some, you know, typical sports recreation, yep. volleyball, soccer, people get injured more often in those types of things. Um, and I think a big reason of that is the, the culture around hunting and for so long and, and the fact that you have to go through these hunter education or hunter safety courses, it, it creates a foundation for most, uh, most people to think about the basics of how to be safe. And, and we may have those moments of, uh, of, uh, relapse where we don't remember. So those, but by the vast majority, I still remember the rules that were taught to me, uh, in hunter safety, because it was so foundational that, you know, which way to control the firearm when I'm holding it. I think about that when I'm walking and that I took hunter safety when I was a teenager and I'm in my forties at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just reiterate that the most dangerous aspect of deer hunting is tree stands. Yeah. And if you wear that safety harness and lifeline, which means you're connected from the time you leave the ground to the time you come back down, um, they're required on our, you know, our new hunter events and stuff like that. And I would just recommend everybody take the time, invest in that and use it. Or just hunt from the ground. You don't have to be in a tree. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So the next thing uh, that I think is important is um, we, we talk about when you're out in the field uh, and there, there are uh, rules and regulations that uh, are important. And um, 
it's, it, I want to talk about the license and making sure that you have it on you at all times. Uh, I know that in Iowa, you're required to have your license and your tags with you at all times. Um, that way, if for some reason you're stopped by a conservation officer, they'll simply approach you and say, hey, do you mind if I take a look at your hunting license? It's very important to uh, to have that in, that on you. So all you can do is say, hey, I'm I'm certified in hunter safety. I am certified. You know, I, I have a hunting license. I have the uh, the tags necessary for that uh, for this deer hunt. And uh, they'll they'll tell you, oh, hey, let me check it real quick. And it's it's not very common, honestly. Uh, I, I've I've been in my 20 years of hunting, over 20 years of hunting. I think I've been stopped by a conservation officer one time to to check my tags and license and I just whipped him out showed it showed it to him and uh he was on, he wished me good luck and he, he was on his way and uh so it's very important to carry that with you at all times mm-hmm. I would recommend some kind of uh plastic bag to keep it in just in case it gets wet and then you know we're going to get into a whole bunch of other uh topics about about you know tagging an animal later on but you have that if you do if you are successful in in the woods you have that uh, tag on that animal immediately. And, uh, it's just a, a good practice, uh, to have. Now, there are a couple other things that we, we need to talk about here. And, uh, let's talk about age requirements. I know that, uh, Matt, you live in New York mm-hmm. and what, at what age can you start hunting in New York? Right now for deer, uh, 14, 14. Yeah. They're, they're, it's one of the higher age restrictions in the country. Uh, most states allow uh, children that are probably 10 or 12, or in some, some states actually have no, no age right. restriction. You can start hunting based on uh, the parent or guardian's discretion. Yeah. If you're, in a company, if you're accompanied yeah. by uh, a licensed adult, That's you, uh, a child can go hunting. Yeah. So uh, why don't you expand on that a little bit? Um, why do you think some of these age re- requirements are put in place? Um, it's just another thing to be aware of when you're in, in the woods. Well, I, I mean, a, a lot of it is based on the maturity of the kids. Uh, but for the people that are listening today, if you're you know, above that age, you're, you're fine. Um, I, I don't think that the way that the rules are set are that restrictive for most folks being able to start hunting, learning hunting at at young ages are good. Um, one thing I wanted to to touch on, uh, you're talking about having your license on you and, uh, tags. Um, some States you, you said New York, which has triggered my memory actually requires, to have uh, your tag displayed on you, you have to have it in yep. your back. Very few states have that requirement. Wisconsin very, is one. Very, like very that. few. But yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a, an old, older, traditional way of, of management, but it's still, it still it still exists today. And something else that you had said uh, triggered a memory was having um, your license on you, uh, and you talking about it being able to have it on your phone you'd be licensed hunter if you have it on there um we haven't mentioned this but apps phone apps um that's a place that you can have uh all of the seasons and licenses uh for many states being able to look that up from the woods being able to say um when is when is uh you know when can i start hunting today is it daylight or is it 30 minutes before 30 minutes after it varies or what's in season today you can look that up right there on your phone and and it's important we're calling it tagging but in some states it's it's like telecheck where you just have to phone in mm-hmm. that you harvested an animal 
Um, and obviously they're going to teach you this in, in hunter safety, but also um, some of the apps you can check in game on yeah. as well. Um, so that's a nice resource for there. Um, and then, you know, check in in a different way. But if you're hunting public land and stuff like that, sometimes you have to check in at actually like a check station or or check the animal out at a yeah. check station. So if you are hunting public land, I would recommend you ask somebody specifically about regulations me, based on those. Let me expand on that. So um, but talking about sustainability and making sure we don't har- harvest too many animals, that that is why... Uh, or tagging the deer or checking them in is a is a big way we track that. So um, for folks that don't understand it, in some places you physically have to take the tag that came when you purchased your license. So there's the license, just this broader I'm allowed to hunt, and then I would buy my deer hunting um, tags, and it allows me to harvest certain animals. We'll talk about that. And those tags, at least in the my state, physically have to go on the animals yes. so that if I'm driving, it has to be tagged. Uh, before I put them in the back of my truck uh, or however I'm going to transport that deer, and I am stopped, not only is the, the law enforcement officer going to check my license, but they're going to see that that deer has been tagged. It means it's it's literally uh, has the tag on it. Not all states require that. Yeah. Then there is the reporting system of being, uh, which Hank is touching on there, is you have to either through your phone um, through the computer, you or actually an actual physical check station, you have to bring that animal or report it to the state. Um, so those are those are different things. Actually, physically putting a tag on it and then telling the state, yes, I took the animal, um, whether it was male or female, um, you know, the season you took it in, uh, what you were using, and then they track that. Yeah. Um, many states that's mandatory uh, and and have very good results. Some some states, not everybody reports it, but they're able to calculate how many animals are taken just through statistics. They mm-hmm. only have to sample a certain amount. Um, some hunters think nobody ever looked at my deer. I never checked it. How does the state know how many animals were harvested? And uh, they only have to get a certain percentage. So uh, they may go to locations where there are animals uh, there, such as uh, not everybody cuts up their own deer, so they might go to a butcher's shop and look at all the animals in the cooler. Or they may go to a taxidermist and look at the animals there. And as long as they sample and get a certain percentage of animals through those ways, they can calculate how many are being taken each year and and watch that trend over time. So it's your responsibility as a new hunter. Uh, Pay attention to those laws. If you're supposed to put a tag on the animal once you, you kill it, um, put the tag on it. Obviously, it's 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 what's legal. But I strongly encourage everybody to report your harvest, even if it's not mandatory. It is in most states um, because it helps the state agency track what's what's being done. Yeah, and that uh, long story short, that's best for the natural resource. Mm-hmm. That's best for the deer herd in in that state or county. So, Hank, let's talk a little bit uh, about bag limits and the sex of. Uh, uh, of a, of a deer and why that is important perfect so bag limits would be how many animals or deer you're allowed to harvest in a given season and and every state's probably different i mean i'm sure there are states that have the same bag limits but you know kentucky you can only harvest one buck a year north carolina you can harvest two antlered bucks a year georgia same thing and you know i don't know what how many antlerless deer you can harvest in kentucky but i think you can harvest eight antlerless deer in north carolina and maybe 10 in georgia um you can tell i'm I'm more from the southeast here but um 
but every state has different, uh, you know, bag limits on the number of animals you can harvest in a season, even, uh, you know, laws of how many you can harvest in one day in some instances. Mm -hmm. But, um, it is, is another way to set limits to make sure we don't over harvest. And, um, you know, most hunters probably kill uh, one deer or less per season, uh, on, on average, but, uh, there are many hunters that get out there and, and uh, take a number of deer, fill their freezers, fill others' freezers. But um, also bag limits are broken down by sex, obviously male and female. Um, and, and that's a way, um, by targeting different animals, you can control populations and um, you know sex ratios and that kind of stuff. So seasons are also based on what they're trying to accomplish with a harvest of a population. Yeah, and a lot of the times the 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 sex of an animal or the tag, the license that you buy determines what, or the tag that you buy determines what sex you're able to shoot in certain States. They, um, Iowa is an example. It's broken down by County in one of the counties that I hunt. I can, they have, the County says, okay, you can, you can shoot, uh, 10,000 does. Like that's how much, that's how many, tags are allocated for uh, female deer and then a, a, a regular buck I can only get one buck tag right and then I, if I want to continue to hunt I have to shoot you know I have to shoot uh, does I have to uh, shoot does and then every single tag is for one animal right it's not uh, you don't just keep using it like like you said you had to you have to tag that specific animal with uh, a with a tag so the the the, uh the variation across even a county or a township uh, you know but across states and around the country has to do with how productive those deer herds are um in places that there are a lot of deer and they're a problem there'll be more tags available in places where the population is just right at the point where um it's balanced with the habitat or even below it um and and it could support more deer there's not going to be as much opportunity so the more productive the land in places where there's a lot of agriculture uh, which is a lot of food for deer and places where there's a a lot of um uh, disturbance in the forest where there's again a lot of more food there's there's a lot more deer you'll see populations increase and that changes on it on an annual basis because uh deer populations go up as we harvest them uh, or will go up as the land becomes land use changes or it'll go down. And so it's this moving target and it's all based on science. So yeah. trust the regulations, tr- trust the state agency um, because they're, they're doing this to keep it sustainable, but um, just stay within those limits. Let me just say, I, f- I feel like what I talked about of those Southeastern regulations probably skewed what people think, you know, uh, Pennsylvania, for example, I think they get one buck tag and you actually have to apply for an antlerless deer tag. They still have a lottery for an antlerless deer tag. So, yeah. so in the Northeast or Midwest, you know, the numbers of animals that you might be able to harvest, depending on it, could could change a lot. Um, so I, I just feel like I gave people a misrepresentation well, uh, uh, of you can kill 10 or 12 deer. It, even in, within a state. So uh, Dan said I'm from New York. In New York, there are places where... Um, I can get multiple antlerless tags because the land's so productive and there are other places I'm not allowed to get a tag. I can't, even if I applied, there's no application system in, in a more mountainous region of the state. So it's going to vary yeah. depending on where you hunt. It's based on location. Again, knowing the rules and regulations mm-hmm. of your uh, state, your county, and even some, you know, some instances uh, on a smaller level, like uh, 
a community, right? A, a city. If it seems a little bit uh, overwhelming to hear all this, uh, it, it could be. And as you kind of walk down the path of becoming a, a hunter and, and a seasoned hunter, it'll start becoming second nature. Yes. Um, I would encourage the listeners to not be intimidated. Exactly. I mean, it's easy for me to say that, but take hunter education or hunter safety, purchase a license, the basic license that you need, and stay within the limits if it, it don't don't overthink too much of it but if you know that you can shoot whatever the deer is um, and the place that you can go to do that once you have access we're going to talk about that in another episode um, just just know within those basic limits of I'm allowed to shoot one buck I have my tag with me I'm 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 licensed uh, I'm certified and, and I'm on a piece of ground that I'm allowed to be um, as long as you follow those basic rules, that's, that's fine. Yep, absolutely. And I think uh, we're going to close on this, uh, and it is weapons. There are different seasons uh, throughout uh, a fall or, or an overall hunting season where you are going to be required to have different tags, uh, potentially different licenses, depending on what weapon that you decide to shoot, whether that is a, a rifle, a muzzleloader, and we're going to get into uh, weapons in another episode, but just know that um, uh, depending on what weapon you choose, it's going to require potentially a different license, uh, a certain time of the year that you can use that weapon. Uh, for example, I'll just use this as an example. In Iowa, I can start hunting with a bow and arrow on October 1st, all the way through November into December. And then in December, there is a shotgun season. So then firearms kick off for a while. That stops and then it go, and you have to have a different tag and you have to have a different license for that for that uh firearm season then it goes back into an archery season so 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 the reason that is is each one is have different efficiencies right i mean if you think about these different implements a bow and arrow uh, it's a challenge you're not you, you have to have the the animal that you want to shoot pretty close to you um you know go as far to the other end of the spectrum a rifle you can you can shoot for farther if you can see um and it's safe and, and be able to do that so those efficiencies are what what change over time and so just like licenses um and tags or, or bag limits where the state can increase or decrease bag limits over time they can increase or decrease the number of tags that are given to a county they can also um, change, uh, within reason, the amount of days that you can go out with different implements. Yeah. So uh, firearms are pretty efficient. And in most states, a majority of the deer harvest is, is coming through those firearms. Um, but being able to change the number of days those different implements are out there. So if, if you're really um, trying to jump into this and, and want to be the most efficient, you should learn how to shoot a gun safely go out during a, with a firearm but if you want to maximize the number of days that you're a field uh, maybe dabble in all all the different things that are allowed in your state Absolutely. i do I, I like being outside um i'm a i'm i love bow hunting probably the most but i like maximizing my time a field so i have 
no problem. I own different each each implement that's allowed in my state and will hunt each season as avidly as I can and as time allows because I want to give myself the best chance at getting a deer. It's it's hunting, you know, when you go out there it's not you're not guaranteed anything and I may hunt you know, many days over the season and only take one deer. As Hank mentioned a little earlier, the average hunter probably shoots one or less deer a year. So I try to ma- maximize that. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, it's important to note that these seasons, when they happen, like archery seasons are usually earlier. And if you're in an urban area, um, you know, you might have more opportunity to hunt with archery around you than you could with a gun. Yeah. Or um, maybe if you're in a more urban area, you can only hunt with a muzzleloader or a shotgun, which aren't deemed to travel as far. Um, but, you know, you need to look at the opportunities around you and also look at implements based on that. Uh, you know, when we've started new hunters, we often try to start them as early in the season as possible the weather's nicer, there's more daylight after work, things like that. So there's a little bit more opportunity and and archery seasons can be fairly long. Um, So if there is an opportunity to archery hunt, you know, with crossbows and stuff like that, we'll get into that kind of stuff later, as you mentioned. But um, you need to also look at the opportunities around you and just take advantage of what, what works best for you. Absolutely. And I think this is a great place to wrap up this episode. Uh, We've covered uh, a lot of information really quick in this episode. But to reiterate, it is very important to check your state rules and regulations, when you can hunt, where you can hunt, what weapon to use, bag limits, sex, uh, antler uh, regulations. And like Matt said, it, it sounds overwhelming, but I can assure you, and we can all assure you, that it is not um, maybe the first year, but after that, it just keeps getting easier and easier, and uh, you know what you need, you know when you're going to need it, and uh, it's, uh, it's the first step to having a whole bunch of fun out in the field. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to find out more information and utilize additional resources, visit DeerAssociation.com slash Hunting 101. There you will find links to the YouTube series, Guide to Successful Deer Hunting ebook, New Hunter Sign-Up Sheets, and Deer Hunting 101 courses. Additionally, you can listen to more outdoor-themed podcasts at SportsmansNation.com, on iTunes, or anywhere you download your podcasts.